Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Hello, everyone. It's good to be together, right? Yeah, it's good. I'm going to talk to you tonight um, about community. And it's interesting, I brought um, a message on community before. And um, is this really loud? No. Um, and I was looking over my notes, and there were elements of it that still made sense. And I thought, mm, yeah, I can kind of see where that's coming from. And there were other parts that where we are now, it just didn't quite gel, and I thought, well, okay, then it's something on my heart that I want to bring, but I think it's right now that I take it away and explore a little bit of now what it means to us now in the present moment of where we are on our journey. Um, I find it quite fitting that I would be preaching on community and my shirt says drift apart. So uh, a, slight, a slight conflict in information there. <laughs> oh, well, we'll block this bit out, I think. Right, so... I'll start by um, just reading a couple of scriptures that I found. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing so, but encouraging one another. Romans 12, 4 to 5, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Psalm 1331. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And the last one I've got down here was Matthew 18 to 20 that says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. I left that one to last because... I remember always having a little bit of a problem with that scripture. So I used to think, so therefore are you suggesting that somehow one person is not enough for God to work with and create something? But you see, who would agree that there's something about when there's more than one person uniting over a common goal, that it somehow creates a momentum about the thoughts that you're thinking? I mean, you don't have to get all biblical about that. That's just kind of a natural way of life. That the more that comes together, the bigger a cell is, or the bigger, uh, you understand where I'm coming from, the bigger something becomes. So actually, this isn't really weird. It's not saying that God can't use one person. What he's saying is that somehow when there's a unity of thought and a unity of spirit, somehow it gains a momentum where people think, wow, this is really good. Like everybody's kind of, Ant used to talk about stacking up. And it's actually, basically, it's that sense that Rather than it just being a very small energy that's pushing out a certain thought, you get all these people stacking up saying, yeah, I really, really like that and I agree with it. And with that comes a certain force to it. So that's what I believe that 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 to mean anyway. Now, who would agree that the the ministry on the whole thing of, of the beginning, you know, the creation story has been really quite interesting and quite... Um, a different take on some of the ways that we may have viewed it before, this whole sense that it's a pattern for life and not to take it so literally, I mean, you can if you want, but looking more as like the blueprint of the way that we live our lives. 
And um, don't you remember, remember that um, Anth talked about in the beginning gods, plural. Um, and we understood that there was something going on behind the scenes, this sense of partnership, this sense of a unity, a bit like where two or more are gathered, I will be there. This sense that there was a unity together, ultimately, that when he said, let there be, there was. Now, in gaining this understanding of what we've learned about in the beginning gods and the sense that partnership and unity brought forth light, illumination, revelation, would it be fair to suggest then that if it says in the scripture that where two or three are gathered in my name, that when people gather with the intention for partnership and that sense of co-creation together, that we also have the same ability to let there be as when God also did what he did right at the beginning. Um, now, some people struggle with that because it, it's, not, it's not making out. Some people are like, well, you know, you're trying to make out that somehow we're more powerful than God. No, no, no. What we're saying is that God has released into creation that ability that he didn't want just that one moment of time to be let there be. He understands that actually if we will grasp that same principle, that actually consistently we will continually produce some incredible things. So you understand that we had this earth that he looked at that was murky and that had no form, you know, this kind of um, soup of nothingness. Yet all of a sudden, this partnership said, let there be. And that momentum of that thought ultimately then started to create this most immense, unbelievable thing that we are now beneficiaries of. Now, community. Some of the things I say tonight, you might not agree with. Some of the things I say I might not agree with. <laughs> I'm just aware that these are the things of where I was, and it's good to throw things out, isn't it, into the pot. Um, the rock as a community, we have all in some way, shape, or form become beneficiaries of this. Now, some of you might not like the ministry, or find that it's, oh, I preferred our kind of we used to think like way back, but you still have friends here, you still have people that you can connect with, you may really enjoy the music, you might love the fact that we've got the dance, or you might like the shows that we do, or you might like the food. So you might like to come along and think, oh, I love it when they do the food afterwards, that's great. So you see what I mean? Community is much wider than just the sense of somebody speaking on a Saturday night. So the rock is a very, very wide expression of community. And all of you in here will have found that you will have benefited from one or more of those things. But you see, like Paul was saying earlier on, if each member doesn't realize that they are responsible for the success of the group, the group gradually ceases to be. If each member of the group eats the fruit, but doesn't plant any seeds, then eventually it becomes a dry twig. Hard words, because it's almost, kind of sounds quite final, but actually, unfortunately, the way life works is that actually how it, that's how it is. If there isn't a continuous reinvestment of understanding of responsibility, understanding of I love eating the fruit that is put out from here, but I am now also going to sow a seed of something that I can offer, that is ultimately what allows something to continue in the process of being. Does that make sense? If not, things die, unless it's continually fed with new life, new seed. The other thing is, well, there's a description in the Bible that talks about the storehouses being full. 
the more seeds that are sown, the, the fuller the storehouses actually become. You know, if you've only got three or four people sowing seeds, you can manage to feed a certain amount for amount of time. But actually, the more people are willing to sow some of their seed, you find that there's this vast storehouse then full of incredible produce that can go on for a very long time and ultimately have an, an impact on a much wider group of people. Now, there was a time, and we've understood this, I mean, you know, we've said it in, in numerous ministries, that um, community in the context of church coming together um, was to some degree in relation to fulfilling a particular role. So you would come to church because it kept God happy. Yeah, you, mean, you must have heard that one before. Um, all this sense that being at church somehow is part of me proving my worthiness. Do you get it? That was the place where you came to the altar to express, look, I am sacrificing myself, I'm here, I will do my right amount of worship, I will pray. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with any of those things. I think worship is good because I think it gets your eyes off the things that you're looking at and puts them onto something bigger. I think prayer is great because what we're doing is we're seeking a wider version of the story that maybe we haven't got our head around. But you understand that the demand of what maybe those things used to have no longer then exist anymore because we've understood that that's not the basis of our story. So, for example, you've no longer got this thing, you know, when I was at school, mum, mum, tell them they don't believe in God or go to church, does that mean they're going to hell? That was kind of like the narrative and yet now you realize, well, actually, maybe if they don't believe in the way that we think they say they should believe, maybe hell was never what we thought it was going to be anyway. So do you see how it opens a much more expansive and free way of thinking, but with that then can take away sometimes the feeling for any obligation or responsibility to that which we are trying to produce. Now, getting back to what Paul said at the beginning, Paul clearly felt that the early church should be meeting together. Now, he didn't mean in the context of the, um, the temple, as in fixed certain rituals, whatever. He was talking about this sense of the ecclesia, which was the original word, that sense of coming together. And he knew that the uniting of people over a common feeling and belief would ultimately spark a chain reaction around them. Are you all with me? Good. So we get to the point where we ask the question, like, what's the point? You know, what is the point? Now, I personally believe, and this is just my take on it, the point for me is that, and I'll get on to explaining this, but I'm going to use this term, as a group of people who are already worthy, I will explain that later, gather together to explore, experience, learn, grow, and inspire one another. That's my take. They could say, well, that's all very twee. Well, to me, that's quite important to me. And I'm going to add more things in, but some of you may agree with that. That's why you are part of a community, because it brings a sense of exploration. Think of all the times we ask questions and explore new ways of thought. Experience, you get to be with your friends, you get to experience music, dance, whatever. You've got the sense of growth. All of a sudden, you're challenged with a way of thinking about a situation, which makes you grow as a human being, because you're able to react in a much better way than maybe you would have done if you hadn't have heard what you heard on a Saturday night or on a Wednesday. Do you hear what I'm saying? So actually, if you really look into your life, you'll realize it has a lot more benefit than you think. And I just think maybe sometimes we've become unaware of actually how special and how part of our life it, it becomes. 
So the whole point of community that Paul was trying to convey in the early church was coming together. It didn't have anything to do with God's feeling upon them. Come together because this is what makes necessarily God okay with you. Now, I believe God loves unity because I believe that God, everything about God is unified and therefore I think when he sees unity, I believe that that's when he says, I will be in the midst of them because I believe you, God is experienced when there's that sense of unity of belief. But the meeting of people together, individuals who have come together to have an experience with their connectedness with God, and a bit like what Chris said last week, an experience of grace, something that's occurred in their life where they have seen the goodness of God, they've been able to rejoice and be glad when actually everything about their situation says there should be no rejoicing and gladness going on at all in this situation. But the God that I serve allows me to rejoice and be glad in all things because he's working things together for my good. So when you put those two together, that creates expansion because you all of a sudden realize that you getting together is not because of any box ticking, tick, tick, ticking that you're trying ticking, ticking that you're trying to get. It becomes about an experience of other people's stories that ultimately will leave a legacy and in turn inspire other people. We're all in this together. So everyone in here tonight, some people may be new, some people may have been with us for years, but being under this roof, we're in it together tonight. In the now, we are part of a gathering together. And the more we gain greater understanding of our journey and the things that we experience, the more we will start to realize how important and how special the thing that we've got is. Does that make sense? I read an amazing quote recently and it said this, I found this quite powerful. Restricting yourself from experiences of danger, you deny yourself the experience of expansion. I'm gonna read that again. Restricting yourself from experiences of danger, you deny yourself the experience of expansion. Now I know that a lot of people then start to go down the road, should we sin therefore that grace can abound and that one always seems to come up. It's not talking about deliberately going out of your way to make a fool out of yourself and make stupid decisions that you know downright well are going to harm you. But on saying that, the way that God works is in your story and in the things that you face. And sometimes we do make incredibly stupid decisions that end up in a position where we think, oh, do you know what? If I'd have really been aware of what I was thinking and feeling, I wouldn't have got to that place. But I'm here but yet basically God's saying, okay, that's where you were, but now looking at you, ask yourself the question, what have you learned from what you've been through? And in learning, what you, learning from the situation that you've been in, how are you going to come together in your group and how are you going to allow that to inspire somebody who also needs to hear from your, your journey? See, life is not it is just about you and it's not just about you at the same time. It's very paradoxical. I said one week, you know, one week when I spoke, I said, you know, people say that the universe doesn't revolve around you, but sometimes actually it really does in the way that we think. Um, but at the same time, we often forget that actually the impact of how we are and how we feel and what we believe about others actually has quite a big effect on the world around us. And I think that the whole point of coming together in unity is to do with actually the power that it has. I mean, you know when there's a fallout between a group of people, 
the vibe that it kind of creates is really not a healthy feeling, is it? So I'm spurring us all on tonight to understand how important it is for us to get reprogrammed and plugged back into this sense of being together and being unified. So, where was I? Paul says this in Romans. Moreover, and it says in brackets, and this was the amplified version, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patience and unswerving endurance. And endurance develops maturity of character. Maturity of character, says it's approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Now, when I say eternal salvation, don't, read, don't think of that as like the afterlife. Think about eternal salvation as an ongoing feeling of, of finishedness in your life. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us, for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that's a very inspiring piece of text because, you see, what he's trying to get at is don't worry about the troubles and the hardships and the sufferings because in life there are always going to be things that are created by your choices, by the choices of others, by all these different things will create certain situations within your life. But what he's saying is, but if only you will understand that each one of those experiences are pushing you into a greater maturity, and it's when you get to that point of maturity that it releases a joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation, which does what? Releases a love poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. Sounds to me that Paul's got an angle here that the whole thing of suffering and struggling and all that doesn't really affect God that much. Doesn't really affect him that much. What he's actually saying is, in your life, I am unconditional. I remain the same. I am constant. My grace is consistently sufficient. Not a grace like Chris had explained of this sense of, oh, poor you. Like, I pity you because you've made a mistake and therefore I show you. No, a grace that says there's a favor and that there's a rejoicing and gladness about the fact that you are you. And he looks down and says, okay, First of all, I don't bear record of wrong, so I can't remember what you're talking about. So now, where do you want to be? What's the solution? What, what, what shall we do now to get this joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation back? Yeah? Good. Now, getting back to community, sameness actually destroys humanity. Now, here's why. Notice when you read scripture of Jesus, the thing that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law really didn't like was the fact that Jesus hung around with people who weren't the same. They all had different stories, very different expressions of where they were. They could not stomach the fact that somehow he was actually not just okay with that, but they were the people he desired to set up church with. Because that was really the early church. Jesus was doing church, wasn't he, with those people. Now some will be like, well, no, that wasn't church. Well, actually it was, because anywhere where people are gathered together to unify over a thing, then God is in the midst of them. And actually those people were unifying over the fact that this thing called grace that they'd always been excluded from, all of a sudden became a reality. And they were saying, hang on, I'm at the dinner table here. I'm going to have a piece of this. This is church. 
you only need to look at science, that actually if something stays the same, gradually it dies. Because the whole point of evolution and natural selection is that things continually understand how they have to change and evolve in order to actually survive. It's the survival of the fittest again. Now, we humans have a funny thing, because it's like we almost are slower than everything else in creation sometimes. It's almost like we, we struggle to remember that we have to also continue to grow, because if we don't grow, it's like we wonder why all of yesterday's concepts and theologies don't seem to be working in now. Because do you know what? People are changing. You know, again, look at Jesus. He brought a message that didn't somehow gel with what they'd understood that God had said, even though actually Jesus was being all of what God had said. It's just they had seen it through a faulty lens. But in effect, he was expanding the thought of what was in order to create something incredibly new. And I think we always have to remember that our lack of willingness to learn and grow actually creates this static and a death to some degree. You know, some of you tonight might feel like you're almost, you're alive, you're breathing, but you don't feel alive. I would ask you to take that away and ask yourself the question, have, am I trying to use all that was somehow to now fit within now? Ask God for a fresh revelation. Ask God for a fresh revelation. Okay, God, I am gonna empty myself of anything that was. Don't get me wrong, there are many things that was that still have a lot of impact on now. Ask him to reveal something new to you, something that will produce growth, something that will produce a new understanding of who you are and what God thinks of you, and you will find that your reality will take on quite a different, quite a different look, yeah? Okay. Now, some of you will find this interesting. I'm now going to talk about pseudo-community, just for a second. Pseudo-community is basically a community that people think is authentic because of everything just being a certain way. The whole point of it being pseudo is it's basically opposite to real. It's basically a counterfeit, uh, you know, fake almost. Um, here's one for you. And you guys over there can listen to this one because you'll find this interesting. Did you know I have 900 friends? I've got 900, right, 900 friends. I can tell you what they ate for breakfast what song they were listening to on the radio, quite impressive, isn't it? What time they went to the toilet, what outfit that they were wearing, after they'd had a big row with their partner and how annoyed they were, all by just one click. Yeah, yeah, I've got real deep connection with my friends. Ringing any bells? Now, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic. I can't talk because I'm one of those people who often does it. I don't have 900 friends, I have 20. And I wonder why I hardly get any likes on Facebook. And they're like, you don't really have any connections. So I was like, no, but still I would like 20. If I've got 20 friends, I'd like 20 likes. <laughs> so all of the people who are 20 on there, thank you. <laughs> now, this isn't to disrespect Facebook, right? But I want you to, I'm using Facebook as a way for you to understand something here. Now, often, this world has been created when actually a lot of us feel very lonely and that's why we're looking to create something that we can control without any sense of real um, challenge or 
face-to-face contact that we can kind of hide behind that feels really, really, really good because it's like, my word, I've got loads of friends. But actually, why do we have to keep going to look to add more? Why are we constantly looking to find something else that will make us somehow feel better or whatever? It's actually because it's not really scratching where it itches. Now, some people use it as a way to connect, and I understand that I do. But you understand where I'm coming from here, that there are certain things that can exist that we haven't really looked at the core of what's kind of going on behind it. I'll be really honest here. A lot of people talk about certain elements of life. So, for example, alcohol is really bad for you, drugs, things like that. But, you know, I sometimes believe that um, social media, and I'm going to say it because I know what it's done to me, I would say is one of the most detrimental things that has ever been released into, into society. Even worse than drugs, possibly, maybe even yes. Now, that's not saying I condone drugs because I don't, right? But the level to which that people get involved with social media, nobody sees it as actually coming from the same point of lack to which when somebody shoots heroin. Now, hear my heart here. You hear me, don't you? This is no judgment, because I know that I can be as guilty as doing the same thing. But we often see those things as taboo subjects. But because now social media is normal, because a multi-billion pound investor is is basically running the world with his money, in effect, it stays because it's actually now become such a significant part of even the stock exchange. It has to exist because it has so much of an impact in everything else. We've all bought into that, but now it's got to the stage where I think, has it actually caused the damage to our, our society? It's just something to think about, you know, how often are we, are we clicking? So, for example, why is it now that, you know, and, I, and you see it a lot, and I've watched clips on YouTube of, of like, collages, where people now even like to take their toilet, um, their toilet, their phone to the toilet with them so they can still be clicking on Facebook while they're using the bathroom. Now, you probably think, why are you discussing this? There's got to be something going on there, because when it gets to the point where we feel so empty that we have to keep searching, even when we go to use the bathroom, there's actually a lack that exists within us. And, and you'll understand where I'm going with this in a second. Now, most of us prefer having that rather than true community because it brings with it a sense of, I know everything that's going on, I feel okay, everything's kind of quite surface level, we don't really ever delve into anything that's overly challenging or deep, and therefore it feels really, really good, and I'm okay with that. If it felt really, really good, we wouldn't be constantly striving to find more, and it's because actually we still feel empty, So as much as we think we've got community, the reason why we're constantly having to look for more things is because actually we're desperately trying to find some sense of worth. Does that make sense? Good. So, not engaging in true community does this. When you get into a problem of a failed relationship, or when you get into a problem of an argument where you're not quite sure, or when someone has wronged you, when you feel angry, when you feel really, really offended with somebody, 
a lot of the things that pseudo community creates doesn't actually give you the keys to actually assist you in knowing how to respond to those matters. Now, if you don't want the keys, that's fine, but then when it happens, smile. Because there are keys out there. I mean, we're, even here at The Rock, we're presenting keys to help people every week. You don't have to take them. You don't have to. But they're actually really, really good things. And actually, rather than maybe being on Instagram or Twitter and whatever, where we're kind of looking for that sense of approval or worth, how many likes am I going to get or whatever, listening to what's being said here might be that when your partner says something that you don't like and there seems to be this breakdown of relationship, all of a sudden you're like, hang on a second, I've heard something about this, about being offended or being unforgiving or whatever. I can now draw that into my life and actually use that to benefit my experience here on earth. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to do is encourage you that there's nothing wrong with being on Facebook and there's nothing wrong with being on Instagram or Twitter. What I am saying is we need to get back to the point where we realize that there's a richer, there's much richer things going on that are going to much more assist you in your life. Does that make sense? Good. Okay. Now, briefly talking about this. I've mentioned the word worthiness a few times now. Now, it's easy to feel worthy whilst ever everything is the same. Because to some degree, everybody's cloned. There's no conditions because everybody looks and feels the same and no one ever talks about anything that disturbs the peace. So to some degree, it's quite easy to feel worthy in that because there's no comparisons. Do you get that? Worthiness often comes when actually you're around things that aren't the same because you start measuring, well, they act like this, I don't do that, therefore they must be better than me, I must not be worthy. Do you see? But actually when you're around people who all think and feel the same, to some degree you're all worthy because everybody feels and thinks the same, but that's not actually worthiness, that's just a pseudo-peace that you've created because everybody's feeling and thinking the same. So let me talk about worthiness just for a second. <clears throat> True community is not about proving your worthiness. Now, why is it not? In trying to prove your worthiness when we get together, we actually detach ourselves from the unconditional love that we so long. Now, hear me out here. What do we mean by feeling unworthy? Us, us humans are terrible addicts. I mean, I really struggle with unworthiness. I do. I had an incident over the last few weeks where I feel unworthy, and all of it is down to, you know, well, that's not working. This isn't working. If that was okay, then I'd feel worthy and all that. You can see it's all to do with what's going on. I mean, I, I saw a, a program the other day, you know, of this guy saying that, you know, even single-cell amoeba, uh, amoebas often feel more worthy than a human. They know where they fit, and they're quite, you know, do you understand what I mean? Now, the reason we often feel unworthy is because we, we base our feelings on the conditions of ourselves and others. So if that person treated me this way, I'd feel worthy. If I could only start living my life like this, I'd feel worthy. Do you see, conditions, 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 conditions. But you see, unconditional lo love, which is what God is, isn't dictated to by conditions because it's called unconditional love. Unconditional love right? And then we wonder sometimes why we struggle to feel the unconditional love of God, because this is the sad thing. God doesn't function how you function. God, God doesn't work on the basis of conditions because he doesn't think like you. He thinks like God. 
And God is unconditional love, which is, I don't love you based on anything that you do. I, I love you based on a gift. And you are deserving of that love. Now, we wonder then why we can't feel that unconditional love sometimes because our whole life is ruled by a conditioned mentality that actually makes us not be able to believe then that God can possibly be any different from what we believe our life to be. Does that make sense? Now, so, you see, we view God through the way we look at others more often than not. And yet, that's not what he is. So if only we could realize that actually unconditional love is unconditional and it has no conditions and the only conditions that you are feeling are the conditions that you are placing upon yourself, then maybe we might just have an experience of that, of that unconditional love. And I believe that when you get there, that's that whole rejoicing and being glad thing. It does something to you because you think, wow, this is really an experience really is an experience, when you realize that all the conditions that you thought would help you feel better actually don't. And it's actually beyond anything that this, this earth can bring, but something that basically God in all of his power can offer you because it just is what it is. And he loves you where you are in any situation. The gospel has never been about us tr being trying to prove our worthiness. Never. Good news, the gospel... It's about understanding that our worthiness is already a done deal. We show up and allow unconditional love to take its rightful place. Out of this place, you can connect with others because once you've released the conditions upon yourself, you no longer need to have conditions on others. Do you know the reason we can't love one another? because you're relying on that person to make you feel love. But if you have no conditions on the other person loving you, you can actually love them because you've released the conditions. It's nothing to do with them, it's actually to do with you. Preach to yourself, Joel. Hear me though, it's a really good point. That actually, that doesn't mean that we slack and we walk away because see again, there's the thing people are like, well you know, actually it'll do me better. No, because you don't need to walk away when there's no conditions because you can love that person still because you're not relying on them to make you feel good, you see. So people think, oh well actually walking away, I'm not being angry with them but I'm gonna walk away. But you don't need to walk away when there's no conditions. Because love reigns. There's no deal breaker. So where are we? I'm somewhere on here. I'm nearly done. So community and partnership is about coming together with an intention to create and bring forth life. And that life, the life that is brought forth to someone, now this is a real key point here, maybe because of your presence and what you have experienced, you will then inspire others to tap into the revelation and therefore join in the creative process. Chris mentioned on Wednesday about, you know, uh, I think you mentioned it tonight as well, about the lady who had um, kind of been away for a long time with her faith and her belief. And when she read what she'd read, it was like, I've never read so much sense in my life. She'd been through the, you know, on the internet, A to Z of On the Pulse. By the way, if you haven't been through A to Z on the Pulse, go away and read them, because once you read them again, you realize how incredible it all is. Um, but you see, she became the beneficiary of the thoughts and the experiences that had been created by you. Do you get that? 
So a person who was out of it for years, all of a sudden becomes a beneficiary of constant seeds that are being planted by you and your experiences, she would have never had that if it had not been for people uniting over those things. Are you starting to see how important it is? Because it really is. Wednesday nights are exactly the same. If you don't come to Wednesday nights, I encourage you, they are absolutely great. I love being around the people and the environment and the experience, I think it's great. Particularly question night and raise a glass are my favorites. And here's why. What happens is, and you'll see, you know, sometimes you have a really, really good week like this. As people are coming and discussing what they've faced and what they've experienced and what they've learned, what's happening is, is people are resonating with what they hear and connecting with it and saying, oh, I really like that. She didn't realize that when she said that, I was really struggling with this. And now that's really helped me understand that. So the participation of each member is contributing to a let there be story. So you uniting is let there being for somebody else. Somebody's life who looks murky and a primordial soup all of a sudden starts to take color because all of you guys are uniting together and inspiring with your experiences. I really like that. I really like it. Exciting. See, just as Jesus was partnering with the Father in his space and time, in order to bring a message that would expand the thoughts of the people of his day, the Rock of York is also on that leading edge. Okay? The Rock of York is on that leading edge. We're taking things further, even with regards to Halloween next week. And some of you, I thought what Beth presented was brilliant. What we're trying to do, some of you will always, always just be hearing that word Halloween and thinking, oh, if only you knew what lies we'd been sold about the whole process, then we wouldn't have the thoughts that we had. So you see, you turning up next week makes you a beneficiary of a new experience from what somebody's learned. So you can then think, oh wow, I didn't realize that that's what it was teaching. And then what happens? What you understand then can be taught to someone else and someone else. And then the whole paying it forward thing gains momentum. And you see, community then grows. I love this line. Community is not about reaching for something ahead of time. It is about being present, and I read this, embracing the deliciousness of now. The deliciousness of now. You cannot be forced into community. You can't be forced. The only way you can actually, I lie, you can be forced. Cross. You can be forced into community. And here's why. Pseudo community, quite simple. You can be forced by saying, these are what makes this community work. These are what you have to uphold. And basically, you then say, okay, actually, if I don't connect to this, it means this is my punishment. Therefore, I feel forced into this because if I don't, it has this result. That's the only way you can be forced is really by fear. BC, there's no fear in love. So when community becomes based on unconditional love, you can't use scare tactics anymore. But I don't want to use scare tactics. I want us to be together out of choice. And because we actually realize the power that it's having on the people around us, so, we ask for a fresh revelation of its value. 
sometimes we don't ask enough. So I believe prayer is asking. Sometimes our prayer is turned into God, I really, I, you know, I'm lacking this and I need you to do this. I don't have this and oh Lord, this is so awful. How about just asking to embrace the deliciousness of now and for a fresh revelation of his goodness and his unconditional love Sometimes we start from the wrong place. We start from the lack and what we don't have rather than saying, okay, yes, and do we, do we have things in our life that feel naff? Yes, we do. Of course we do. But if you start it from the premise of, I will rejoice and be glad because his grace is sufficient, unconditional love reigns, and therefore, when you come at it from the premise that it is finished, you get a very different very different eyes for what it is that you see. And actually, you have an energy and a power and a peace to be able to overcome those difficulties that we face. Right, in wrapping up, and thank you for being so patient. Pseudo-community is fine if you simply want to sustain what is. If you want to just go through the motions, okay, actually, I'm happy just with the mundane, everything just being so, no challenge, whatever, you can have it. But... When you get further on in life and wonder why things still seem the same, you need to ask yourself the question, am I now willing to expand and grow? Because you can have the pseudo community, but you've got to be aware, everything else will stay the same around you. So if you don't want to grow, that's fine, but you'll find that everything else around you will stay stagnant as well. Some of you might be okay with that, but I'm offering you the opportunity. Some of you might think, yeah, actually, I feel like I've got to a point in my life where everything's just become the same. And I would really like a fresh revelation of newness and growth. <coughs> Do you want to grow? Do you want to be on the leading edge of something fresh and new, a bit like what Jesus was? It's hard because you have people sometimes throwing out accusations, actually, why are they not all the same? They're different, they're divergent, right? Some great scriptures that say, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. It's all about this sense of longing that says, I long to be connected to this thing that we understand to be incredibly powerful. And in our understanding over the last 13 years, We've learned a lot of theological things that have shattered some of the beliefs that we had, but let's not ever forget that point of the core principles like grace, kindness, unconditional love, all the things that actually attracted to us to this gospel in the first place are what other people want to also see. So let's get, it, let's get that feeling back, all right? So this is where I'm going to finish, and I'll finish with this, and then we'll leave it there. Tonight is a call to a fresh revelation of our worthiness and the power that people uniting together through the vastness of their experiences can bring forth. Let us learn together, grow together, expand together, cry together, laugh together, and as we mature on this journey, drink up the lavish, unconditional love that the Father has poured out into our hearts. And that's me done.
Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.